from Iron Man to Ant-Man, from Dark World to Black Panther. In this episode of Octal FM, we don our film critic hats and put on our nostalgia goggles as we take a look back at the 11-year adventure that is Marvel Cinematic Universe's Infinity Saga. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Sefran. And today we have timed this quite well. It's a little bit delayed, but we've timed it reasonably well. And we are discussing the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. And yeah, we've both been to see um, Avengers Endgame and, you know, that kind of, that ties up uh, this 22 film long saga uh, that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm. and like the Infinity Saga, right? Where you, yes. you know, and and we just wanted to sort of look at that and it's kind of like its impact on culture and how it sort of relates to other kind of heavy hitting franchises, in particular, something like Star Wars. Mm. Uh, and also just sort of talk about what it means to have such a huge kind of set of films and, you know, tying in a story Uh, and a universe across 22 films and sort of, you know, how that works and why Mm. it works and why these films have been so massively successful, right? Like, what did you say? Like, of the top 10 ranked films worldwide, five of them are Marvel films. Like, five of them are in this universe, which is just amazing, right? Like, it cannot be... Obviously, you know that they're important films and they're big films, but when you think about it like that and it's like, wow, these are like culture-defining films. Yeah. That's exactly what I was just going to say, is that these are our generation Star Wars, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like, they define their time, I would say, now. Like, everyone knows Star Wars, and I guarantee that in, say, 20, 30 years' time, everyone will know and probably still be watching Marvel-slash-MCU right. films. 100%. Uh, in the same way that we're still watching Star Wars films now. It is that important, and they've influenced culture massively across the entire world uh you know many many other media franchises are now trying to kind of either copy the formula of like an expanded universe or even copy the idea of sort of superhero films being slightly interconnected in places outright yeah often usually not to the same level of success but still like and it clearly works as well because it makes a lot of money yeah and people want to see it as well and we are certainly no exception to that yeah but rather than talk about each individual film and talk about why we love those films Mm. necessarily it's more sort of a a look at the mcu as a whole like you say and how that's affected things and one of the things that i wanted to kind of make quite clear at first is that marvel studios specifically Mm. uh did not create the superhero film genre at all and there have been many, many other films, uh, both Marvel characters and other kind of companies like DC, for example, uh, superhero films well before that. Yeah. And there's even quite a lot of like Marvel characters that aren't even in the MCU, um, noticeably the X-Men and the Fantastic mm. Four. They're sort of the, the two big ones that are kind mm. of awkwardly stuck in limbo yeah. with, uh, with copyright issues. Spider-Man now sort of belongs in the MCU, but it still kind of has the rights owned by Sony to some extent. So that's kind of awkward. 
But they didn't invent these sort of films. They, for the most part, I would say, perfected the superhero genre. Whereas beforehand, these films were very much the individual character films. Uh, if you know what I mean, like yeah. I, we were talking about it and it was very much, it was a Superman film or a Batman film. Right. It wasn't so much you were going to see a superhero film. Yeah, absolutely. Like it turned into, it really defined that sort of, it's bigger than the character that you're seeing mm. kind of thing. And really, you know, to some extent it's about Marvel being a brand as well, right? Like yeah, everyone definitely. knew of Marvel as a, as a, you know, as a brand and, uh, you know, and, and the comics and stuff like that. But this really made Marvel as a name, like a, a big deal, right? And mm. it's no longer about the character as a brand. It's about Marvel as a brand with some characters in it, yes. right? And that's the kind of difference. And they use the fact that they couldn't have access to some of them better known characters to their advantage so like i said for example like one of the best known marvel characters i would argue is probably Mm spider-man like i would say everyone's heard of spider-man to some extent but before 2008 most people the average populace wouldn't know who iron man was right you know if you said the name tony stark it wouldn't really mean anything to anybody except comic book fans Mm -hmm. i would argue yeah definitely they'll have heard of the hulk but they wouldn't necessarily know who bruce banner was you know, maybe they've heard of Captain America, if, especially if you are an American, but would you know who Steve Rogers was? Mm. Probably not. But then if I said to you who Bruce Wayne was, you know, you right. would know who Bruce Wayne is because Batman has his own films. But, as bef- but this is when Marvel Studios, like I say, went to their thought bubble and they went, right, we haven't got access to these big name characters. Let's use these lesser known ones and, and really build them up. And now I would argue that Iron Man is more of an important name in the superhero and film genre as a whole than almost any other superhero, potentially Mm. even Batman. Yeah, absolutely. Which is crazy when you think about it, especially, you know, when you think that it was only 11 years ago, right? When this, when, when Mm. it was Iron Man, you know, and yeah, to go from, from there to now is there's been a huge kind of shift right in these films and in the perception of Marvel and superhero films. And it's still the kind of, boggles the mind that people even after 22 films are still excited about going and seeing these films yeah and the the attendance is absolutely astounding like the money that these films are pulling in you know boggles belief um you said that like i think overall the amount of money that these films have taken is higher than the entire gdp of botswana for right example. it's like small it's like yeah it's basically a small country in terms of like <laughs> like in terms of revenue it's and, and that obviously has happened before that's not to say that that's a new example like there are other franchises and ips that have made just as much money and more money like star wars for example makes has made more than that pokemon is the biggest ip in the world in terms of money taken right uh, but those have been around for like, well, Pokemon's been around for like 20 plus years. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Star Wars has been around for like 40 plus years, if yeah. not more. Whereas this, like you say, as, as the cinematic universe, that's only been around for 11 years and it's yeah. already like the most important cultural thing in our generation, I would argue. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And one of the things that makes them so successful isn't just the branding and the marketing that helps, don't get me wrong, especially they can ride on that more now than they could originally. But from the earlier films, one of the reasons something like Iron Man, for example, was so successful, the first Iron Man film, Mm. was because it was just a good film as well. It wasn't relying on the fact that you knew he was a superhero, like, say, some of the Batman or Spider-Man films do. Mm. And it wasn't relying on sort of, like, 
either famous actors or sort of like big name uh, characters like Spider-Man or, or Batman, like I say, they were just really good films. Like, obviously, don't get me wrong, Robert Downey Jr. is a, is a well-known actor, but nothing by comparison to what he's become as Tony Stark. And that only happened because it was just a good film. Like, you didn't have to know anything about the cinematic universe or the mm. comics or mm. the character of Tony Stark, anything. And you could still sit down and watch it and think, that was that was really fun. Like, I really enjoyed that. And it doesn't insult the film watcher. It stays kind of silly and fun whilst also being kind of real and serious at the same time it doesn't do one thing the other it doesn't go like to the silly ridiculous nature that you have of some films where they become very much kids films Mm. but then it doesn't also go the other way of like kind of dark knight sort of like justice league levels of you know dark and gritty and and super serious it keeps that comic book I, i say campness almost and as a result of it, people like it. It's more, it's easier to get into. Yeah. And the thing is, right, is that they, comics have always had a clever balance, right, between being somewhat whimsical and a little bit kind of, and obviously colourful because they're comics, mm. but also still dealing with serious themes or, you know, tackling certain issues. That's always been the thing about comics. And Marvel have sort of just found a way to transfer that into their films which i think is quite that's really what kind of plays into its success i would say and they've also tried to make sure that their films are original too so right although they often do tell origin stories especially for the first time the character appears in a film for the most part there are some exceptions like your hawkeye and your black widows for example they haven't really got an origin stories but your your standalone films for individual characters like your iron man your thor your captain america they tell an origin story, but it's not the same old origin stories you've heard before for characters because these are either fresh characters that you've not really heard of much before or they do a different take on it. You know, it's, right. it's something fresh and interesting. You know, for example, Captain America's origin story is is kind of accurate to the comics, but it's also kind of different as well. Mm. But it's much more enjoyable from a film point of view than a direct, what's the word, a direct adaptation would have been. Right. And as a result of it, you grow more attached to these characters from quite an early point in time like from watching their standalone films and then seeing them and then wanting to anticipate seeing them in sort of the big crossover films like you know the the avengers films Mm. yeah absolutely like it's they've managed to get the best of both worlds in the way that they've tackled adaptation Mm. right like it's not the plot of the comics it's not the same as the comics but you also nod to the comics and so like comic book readers are often quite evangelical right like it's a classic nerd thing where Mm. you know people get we talked about this recently actually about how like you know like releasing new smash brothers characters is very japanese in the sense that japanese culture is like you know sort of getting attached to characters and stuff like that and it's and that's the same with comic books in the west i think really and you know people get very attached to to their characters and comic books and you know the backstory and stuff like that and so they then become your like you know the people that are evangelical about your films because it's not the comics, so you don't have to, like, get the criticism of doing an adaptation and being like, oh, well, you missed this thing out. And it's like, it's not the same as mm. the comics, but you do have all the characters and you can still do the nods to the characters. And, mm. you know, so you get the best of... It's those layers, right? It's always about layers with films, I think, you know, where you've got different levels of appeal, right? And and a film 
and a film series can be most successful when it appeals to people on different levels. Yeah, definitely. All of the Marvel films are 100% that just like any kind of kids most of disney really right all disney films it's like the classic right like like lion king right like lion king was successful because kids really loved it because it was it appealed primarily to kids but then there would be jokes that only the adults in the cinema would get right and that's the classic that's what disney has always done and that's what marvel and obviously disney eventually have done as well with Mm. these films like it's that multiple levels of appeal that just makes it so universal but also gives it some depth um, which I think is the is the trick. And the kind of payoff for all that hard work initially, not so much now, but initially was the Avengers film, you know, the, the big one, the, the big main film itself of the Avengers. And seeing all that come together was absolutely mind-blowing because you've got all what you've just said, you know, being very respectful for the comics, but also not relying on them too much and getting the best of both worlds by being both child orientated, but also having more of a serious themes, also nods to the comics that the adults will appreciate, etc. And throwing that all together in a film, which somehow manages to give enough time to all of those characters that we've come to know and kind of become established, whilst also having an otherwise quite enjoyable plot with a big fight scene and, and even sort of tying up some loose ends of some other underlying stories from the other films. Well, I can't think of another film series that has really done that, honestly, where you had to, not had to have seen, but it really was encouraged to see these other films to be able to enjoy this one, Mm. other than just direct sequels. Because Thor is not a direct sequel to, say, Iron Man. But if you watch them all, you get the benefit of of knowing these characters' storylines come together in, say, Avengers. Mm. And pulling off that that multi- person you know multi-storied multi-charactered crossover movie seems kind of obvious now with things like endgame becoming you know such a massive hit well all the avengers films have been massive hits but then that was incredible like Mm. that i don't think it ever really been done before right no absolutely we were talking right about the comparison in terms of that idea of a universe right like marvel cinematic universe having a universe of 22 films that broadly speaking all tie together and all follow some kind of narrative and all are canon with each other in almost 90 percent consistently right Mm. even some people even say that the stan lee um, cameos are all the same character right like because there are references to it being the same character across all the films like there's like a depth of canon across across all the films Mm. that is sort of like it's kind of like a type of polish, I guess, in a way, like polishing the films to the point where you can actually have consistency across Mm. them all. And it's sort of, I I like to draw the comparison a little bit to Star Wars, where that's also all canon, right? Or mostly canon. And if we ignore the books and the fact that they wiped away all the books when Disney Mm. bought Star Wars, but like the films are all canon with each other. And so it's the same sort of thing of that kind of concept of like tying everything together. But this is on such a different scale, right? It is on a bigger scale, but also it was already on a bigger scale to begin with, but they keep adding to it as well. Like mm. they're not afraid to add to this universe and make it bigger and essentially harder to manage as well. Yeah, and harder right. to make it work or they must have a full they must have a full time team of people that are just checking the checking canon consistency continuity. Canon. Right? Yeah, they must do. They, they absolutely must do. must do. There's no way they don't. I mean, there's been twenty two films now and there obviously has been sequels to you know, to films with 
the same characters you know you've had like iron man 2 and iron man 3 and and you know thor and thor 2 etc but there's been a lot of other standalone films and there's been a lot of like characters appearing in other people's films that show up and you're adding so much more complexity to this overall narrative and some of the side tv shows as well right like yeah we didn't even really touch on that you've got things like your agents of shield uh and then your netflix series like uh your daredevil and jessica jones and stuff like that they are in the same universe and they still tie together as well and again we're kind of being unfair that we're not even talking about those particularly either Mm. you try and think of a a media series as a whole that was brave enough to have a tv series running concurrently with your film's releases and have plot points that were connected and somewhat important to the release of those films in these tv series right that's that's amazing you know that that takes a lot of guts but they did pull it off somewhat like don't get me wrong the tv shows don't have the same level of incredibleness i can't think of a better word as the movies do but they're still really good and they're very serviceable and if you watch them concurrently with the film's releases as well you really feel like you're part of this narrative like evolving narrative because you're seeing them once a week as a result of the tv show and it's constantly being slightly added to and sort of like things are teased to and hinted at and uh, and then you get the big reveal of the show you feel really rewarded for being part of that universe which obviously works for marvel slash disney as well because obviously you're more likely to spend more money going and seeing their products i mean not all of the films are, are perfect right like it's not like no. they've had universal success with these films but no. they've they've showed commitment to go through them all i mean what is your what do you think is the is the worst out of the 22 oh the worst or my least favorite because that's uh, not necessarily the same oh interesting okay what do you think is the worst what do you think is technically the worst i think the worst is, is pretty probably for the dark world right maybe maybe ant-man the first one and that's so unfair because they're both really good fun films and they do quite a lot for the storyline and everything like that but i think with thor this is the dark world i think it was too similar to the original one in that not a great deal happened but then it was trying to maybe be a little bit too edgy as well i don't know Mm. What's your least what's your least favorite? Again, that's kind of hard to say. I I really don't like the Incredible Hulk. Uh honestly, like the, the one of the earlier ones. Yeah. Um that's not a particularly big favorite of mine. And I didn't really like Age of Ultron all that much either. Mm. Again, I felt like that was sort of treading water a bit as well, like I felt like they had a great idea of where they wanted to go with sort of like doing this, but it feels like they they almost couldn't hold the, the excitement of doing another crossover film for very long. And it feels like the next logical step would have been an increasing evolution towards the, you know, Thanos stuff in Infinity War. Uh, I just feel like Ultron was kind of unnecessary. Like it didn't, I mean, that could have probably been its own standalone film for maybe Iron Man or something uh, as a, or a vision film even, but not an Avengers one. I don't know. It feels like Captain America Civil War was definitely the, the actual Avengers film that was supposed to happen at that time because it was that was a similar sort of time that was within a year of each other yeah um, and Civil War should have really have been the, the new Avengers film as opposed to Age of Ultron but it's not to say it wasn't a good film either like I don't think there's been a bad film amongst any of them I think all of them are good but some of them just aren't necessarily as good as others right they're not all equally as compelling right no I, what, I agree um, I don't know if I have like a worse, I mean, I haven't seen them all. So there's a, I've got a few gaps in my, um, in my viewing, which I probably need to fill. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I, and also I can't remember some of the older ones cause it's yeah. been 11 years, but I would say that like my favorites 
I really liked the Guardians of the Galaxy mm. as a like I really liked the style of them. And can we just talk about Guardians of the Galaxy for a second? Because we we haven't actually touched on Guardians at all. That was such a bold move. Mm. You've you've made this universe of like what ten films at this point from the Avengers films, you know, mm-hmm. with with Thor and and Hulk and Iron Man and Captain America. And they're not serious, but they're more serious. They're more serious than Guardians of the Galaxy, that's for sure. Mm. You know, they're, they're kind of half realistic and they're set on Earth and there are some actual real problems, you know. Right. And then you've got Guardians kicking off with like a dance scene and ends with a dance scene. And, yeah. you know, it's just silly and ridiculous, but it works so well. It was incredible. Like that easily could have been an atrocious film that people hated <laughs> if, if they hadn't made it quite right. With the casting and the music and the colours and the story, if all those things hadn't come together, this could have been such a black sheep in an otherwise really good series of films, mm. which for the most part all have a similar tone to them. And Guardians really bucks that tone. You're right, it does. Because I almost, looking back at Guardians coming out, I almost, in my mind, I didn't tie it to the same universe as like Iron Man. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, because they did do it quite separately in the way that it was kind of marketed, and obviously the story is is, is isolated in a way. So to then see that come together right towards the end, right, is in Endgame is is really it felt kind of weird for me because I actually wasn't ex- like in my mind they weren't necessarily the even though I knew they were the same universe, mm. I, they weren't the same universe kind of in my mind, which is interesting. Yeah. And that's how bold it was and how different it was. Yeah, 100%. And I think they were smart as well to try and do something a bit different whilst in the same universe, remove themselves from the rest of the universe because it was set so far away in otherwise unimportant territory like the the comics had already established sort of like where who the guardians were and where they were with things like xandar and the kree and all this and everything Mm. but if it didn't work well right and it was a bit of a flop it was would have been very easy to just sort of like push it to the sideline and and sort of like ignore it to some extent and carry on (laughs) with all the stuff on earth you know with things like the avengers and then things like doctor strange and uh ant-man and black panther and stuff later on they wouldn't have really been affected if guidance hadn't done very well but it did do really well and as a result of it that's sort of spawned its own kind of splinter section of the mcu that, that that was just as popular yeah agreed i think black panther while you mention it is also probably my my number two like it's just as a it feels like black panther was technically also just a very good film um you know, uh, i mean con- again we kind of need to talk about because we just don't have enough time to talk about all the films that was never really <laughs> the point of the show but black panther is so important as well because, I mean, we talked a lot on this in the notes and I am not qualified enough to talk about sort of like civil rights and representation. But, I mean, it's a, there's a reason that Black Panther did twice as well at the box office in America than almost any other MCU film has done other than the big sort of crossover films. And when you're talking about the large numbers that we're talking about, that is, that's astounding. <laughs> yeah, it is. To think, right, I'm, I'm, I've got some figures in front of me. So like the, the standalone normal films, like for example, Spider-Man Homecoming did 330 million, uh, Thor Ragnarok did 315 million. The crossover films were doing sort of like 450 million. Black Panther, and this is just in America, mind you, in the US and Canada, did 700 million. Yeah. 
You know, that's more than some of the other films combined worldwide. Yeah. And it shows how important that film was to an American audience when it was released, you know, a a year or so ago, almost two years ago. And I guess that sort of ties, you know, back a little bit to what we were talking about, about, you know, mixing serious notes in these films. And you think about, like, they're superhero films, right? And there's 22 of them. But then as part of that, you've got Black Panther, right? Mm. Like, as a thing. And it's like the combination of like running all of these films and tying all of this universe together and also making statements. Yeah. Right. And like being significant in culture. I don't know. It's just, it's just on such a weird scale. It's almost like your mind can't really grasp the scale of the films and like what they mean and Mm. how, once you put them all together, what that means in terms of how it defines the world essentially mm. it's weird even though it's just films right but it's so significant they basically come to the understanding that these films are now so important in the cultural zeitgeist as a whole that they can use it for good yeah and they have used it for good you know i guarantee that they made black panther partially because they they wanted a black superhero you know as part of the group but then they thought well hang about we've got this this market which we can send a message to quite easily and readily and make a real change and a real impact and they did mm. and so they've benefited from both having a great film but also by sending out a great message yeah exactly and then obviously they've done the same a little bit with captain marvel and yeah. there's like scenes in endgame as well like there's a very significant scene in endgame um where it's like all the female characters and only the female characters and it's like they are like making that's like a very defined statement that they are making in the film it absolutely um, is yeah. and if anyone ever says to you oh well it was a bit on the nose you know it was like oh well you know it's kind of obvious what they're doing it's like well yeah it was supposed to be obvious right. it's not supposed to be subtle it's them saying yes we are making a statement about female representation in our films and we want that to be the case yeah exactly you know and, and like you say they did that with captain marvel to some extent as well there's some really great scenes in that film um f- just booking what you'd expect to happen yeah uh, i don't want to spoil anything too much like i know we've been relatively open about spoilers but because it's still fairly recent to this recording yeah. you know the, there's some scenes in that film which go yeah right that's not actually gonna be how it goes you know this is normally how it goes we're not doing that yeah we are moving away from the tradition and that's fantastic and i'm really glad that there's something that's so popular that can also put out a really positive message at the same time and obviously the cynic in me is like saying yeah but it's still making disney billions of pounds worth of profit but if they're making profit and also sending out a good message, is that a problem? I don't know. That's another discussion entirely. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a whole extra that's a whole extra episode there. And that's a whole university dissertation worth of content there. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. And and you know there will be university dissertations written about these films. Mm. But we've we've talked a lot about the importance of these films, and I think it's going to be amazing to see where they go from here because like we said at the beginning of the episode that this is sort of now the end of the infinity saga as it were a lot of characters have changed places lots has happened uh, and again i don't really want to spoil too much if we can avoid it and now they've got a large opening to do new things in again so this is almost like at the end of avengers the first one where they've gone wow we've got a real hit on our hands let's do something a bit different to see what we can get away with like they did with Guardians of the galaxy for example like mm. uh, now they can do something again a bit different a bit interesting so who knows what marvel studios ends up doing after this what do you think what's your hot take <laughs> oh um I, I genuinely couldn't tell you like 
I, I, I would not have even predicted Guardians, for example. Like, if you'd have asked me, like, are they going to do something, like, kind of weird and spoofy in space? I'd be like, no, no, no. They'll keep it sort of, like, half serious, half kind of cool action film. Um, but they didn't. Um, yeah, I don't know. We've got a few other things that are sort of vaguely known, right? We're, we're going to get a Black Widow film, which is probably going to be some kind of origin or prequel. Yeah. And I think that that could be sort of like a bit darker, a little bit more. Did, did you see the film The Red Sparrow, for example? Right, with, yeah. Uh, Jennifer not... Lawrence. I'm thinking it's going to be sort of that, maybe a little bit less gritty, mm. but still pretty real and gritty. But then on the flip side of that, we've, we've got, you know, quite a lot of information about the next Spider-Man film, for example, yeah, with uh, Far From Home, which is yeah. going to be, again, kind of Spider-Man, a little silly, a little relaxed, a little bit more aimed at the younger audience, the teenage audience, mm. as opposed to sort of like the, the you know, the young adult audience. We're definitely getting like a Black Panther sequel, Doctor Strange oh, yes. sequel, Guardians of the Galaxy. So I, I wonder if sort of we're going to see maybe just a return to some sequels, like mm. which we, we've not really had when you look at the, you know, you had like Iron Man and Iron Man 2 sort of early on, but like mm. the later stuff has been quite all over the place. Like we've had kind of like, you know, different characters being introduced to then all be tied together in Endgame. Yeah. And so now it's like, okay, now do you like double down on some of those um, characters and sort of develop those brands a little bit by, you know, adding some extra sequels and, you know, furthering those a little bit. And then, I don't know, it's it's like... I wonder if they will, will they ever do a 22 film long story arc? You know, is Again, was that it? Yeah. Like, uh, like that's a commitment, right? Like now yeah. you've done, it's sort of, you know, now you've done it uh, over 11 years. Do you, do you say, okay, cool. We've got another 11 years to tie up, Yeah, you know, and are we, are the films we're talking about going to tie into another story? Right, like, so or you, are so, they going to be more standalone and go yeah. back to a more traditional method of storytelling? Who knows? Uh, or maybe they do something else completely unexpected. Uh, mm. You know, maybe everything connects to everything all the time. Who knows? Right, uh, they I, actually I, just continue. The, the universe doesn't end, right? And they just yeah. keep the they keep the same thing. I yeah. would be surprised if they don't at some point give themselves an angle to reboot. Mm. You know, I always look at Star Trek as my favorite example where they. You know, they rebooted by doing a bit of time wormhole stuff. And then it's mm. like, okay, now we can just kind of like do everything differently and it doesn't matter because it's a reboot, you know, given enough time. I mean, in, in a way that's sort of, spoilers for Endgame, in a way that's sort of how they did it in Endgame by removing a lot of the more traditional characters, you know. So they have now removed Iron Man, they've moved Captain America, they've basically removed Thor except for Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, they've removed Black Widow. So a lot of those older characters have now made way for the newer characters or for brand new ones to come in. Right. So they've sort of done that, but I also know what you're saying about like rebooting everything from from scratch so you could have a new Iron Man if you wanted to, right. or like so it's a like, new Thor. Yeah, it's like the difference between telling new stories about the same characters or bringing in an entirely new set of characters. Yeah. I, I, you're right. And thinking about it, I feel like they're probably going to do the latter, you know, and just bring in new characters and develop new characters. And then you can just leave the old ones out forever. But, you know, part of me is the cynic in me is like, it's Disney. Like, you're never going to, you're never going to yeah. let Iron Man go. <laughs> no. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Uh, um, maybe they bring it back from within the same universe maybe they reboot it maybe they do spin-offs maybe they do like you know tony stark as a as a young adult or something right. who knows <laughs> the point is it's exciting to see yeah. and although i don't always buy in sort of like corporate hype it's hard not to get excited about this even if it is all being made by sort of our overlords of disney i know it's um, crazy isn't it like i've got so much as i've got older 
I've got so much more respect for Disney as a company. Mm. Like I feel like they've, you know, the the brands that they've bought and the things that they've done, and I'm so much weirdly kind of happier about Disney as a company and the things that they do because I'm like, cool, you're giving me more of what I want. <laughs> it's yeah. like, and like, they just do you think to, they own two of the biggest sort of like cultural universes right. in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Star Wars. Right. And they're not doing bad things with it either. And also they own the whole of like 20th Century Fox and stuff. Like, yeah. like is it when you look at, there's like a chart, right, of like things that Disney own and it's like everything. <laughs> like there's like, <laughs> you don't, you don't realise that there's like barely anything that they actually don't have mm-hmm. a hand in. And I guess in some ways that's bad and like, you know, on a high philosophical level, maybe it's bad, but I don't know. I just find it hard to be frustrated with, or like anti things that are really enjoyable. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, it's exactly. Like, like when was the last time they did something that wasn't just good? Right. Um, you know, and it's just like they just do a good job, and it's yeah. like, is that so bad? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like maybe that's a good. That's just a good thing. <laughs> that's another episode entirely. Though. <laughs> it um, definitely is. It definitely is. But I've really enjoyed talking about uh, all these films because it's something that we've never really touched on, despite mm. the fact that for me, more than you, but still you is a big part of our sort of like enjoyment you know yeah. we go and see these films quite a lot when they come out and you know we think about them we talk about them you know we, we, we watch them so this was a lot of fun and maybe like i said we'll do a discussion on each film maybe like some short short mini series on it, yeah. our thoughts on each film like you said it would give you an excuse to go back and watch the ones maybe you missed and you yeah, forgot definitely. about like we could work um, because through, I, right? I had a lot of fun and i could have talked about all of these films yeah. for a whole episode you I'm know actually, so i think we should i think we should just do it right i think we should go we could work our way through and talk about that episodes and do that as like a little mini series that would be yeah. that would be a lot of fun oh we're committing to it on this show are we uh maybe edit this out we are now <laughs> i take it back i take it back <laughs> but yeah it's been good and if you've enjoyed this um chat as well it follows along and it's kind of like with you know we're talking a lot about geek culture stuff but it's a departure a little bit from video games although there are marvel video games of course not good ones but yeah if you've enjoyed this or you want us to talk more or less about films then you can get in touch with us. You can send us an email. It's show at octal.fm. Or you can come and find us on Twitter. We're at octal.fm on the old Twitters. Facebook, facebook.com forward slash octal.fm. Mm-hmm. That's us. That's us. That uh, is us. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed the episode of uh, talking about the MCU uh, mm-hmm. and our sort of thoughts on it and its place within in N- culture. Nerding out, I think, yeah. would be a, a very good de- description of this episode. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, and yeah, in the, in the meantime, I've been Gelato. And I've been Saffron. And catch us again for another episode of Octal FM very soon. Um, we thought that we would take a, a look back at uh, at the films that have kind of led up what is it 22 23 films oh yeah something like that now um and i should probably know that precisely for this uh let me just let me just check yeah, and I'll do up. that bit again otherwise it sounds terrible sorry i clicked my bottle then oh, that's okay i'm feeling too much in the recording i need to stop messing with it <laughs> there, i'm just trying to Get you need a quiet to, thing to I mess know, with. I know, I know. I need to just put it in a glass, honestly, rather than lift it in a bottle. There we go.